Friends, let us pray. Holy Lord, you opened the meaning of the scriptures to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and you set their hearts ablaze. So by the power of your spirit, do the same with us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Our gospel reading is the gospel according to Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Let us hear God's word to us. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them, And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, 
and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I do love a good road trip. There is something about a long road trip that to me seems extra special in a way that flying never can be. It's not just that you can be more flexible with how much luggage you take, although it is that. It's not just that you avoid the vagaries of airline delays, although it's that as well. It's not just that you're more in control of your own schedule, and it's not just that you can avoid those long lines at airport security, even though it's all that too. It's that with a road trip, you have a much more visceral sense of the distance you travel, of the ground you cover, of the landscape changes along the way. For there is so much to see, so much to observe, and it's not just about the destination. It's about every sight, sound, and smell you experience en route. It's like the difference between microwaving a heat-and-serve meal and cooking from scratch with fresh produce you just picked from the garden. What makes it even better is when you travel with someone. A road trip by yourself is nice, but a road trip with a good traveling companion, well, I think that ranks right up there among the best of the simple pleasures of life. For when you comment on that really obnoxious billboard you just passed, you have someone to listen to you. When you reach the top of the hill to discover the scenic valley below, you have someone to appreciate it with you. When you're going around that traffic circle for the tenth time and you can't figure out how to get off, you have someone there to help make sure you finally find the right exit. And besides, time flies with the right travel companion, doesn't it? Like when I took a road trip to Baltimore with a colleague from our presbytery recently to go visit a mission site for a concept that we were working on. Now, before the trip, I knew her. We'd had lunch together a few times. We'd certainly been in lots of meetings together, and I had every expectation that we would get along just fine. Well, when it came down to it, It was better than fine. In fact, we talked nonstop the entire trip down and the entire trip back, and we covered the gamut from essential plans and nitty-gritty details to big ideas about things that deeply matter. And that's what I love best about those long trips with a good partner. 
The substantial time that you spend together allows for some of the best conversations to happen. Because when you spend enough time with someone on the journey, you eventually move past light banter and good-natured chit-chat to conversations about those things that do really matter. Things of depth and meaning, your hopes and fears, the things you wonder about, the things you struggle with, and if you dare, even things of faith. Conversation matters. That we talk matters. What we talk about matters. And how we talk about it matters. I spent much of this past week with eight other clergy, along with two facilitators, beginning a two-year journey of learning together and deepening our leadership practices. And we were all strangers when we started. From the very start, our facilitators laid out some very clear expectations, and chief among them was that we be willing to be fully present in every conversation, and that to a person we open ourselves to express our vulnerabilities with one another. And they said that the only way that we would have the experience that we needed to have was if every single one of us honored that parameter and held that sacred space for it to happen. Well, great, I thought. Who wants to be vulnerable in front of eight strangers? Who wants to share those tender thoughts? And my heart started pounding a little bit faster. In fact, just thinking about it right now even raises my pulse rate just a bit because even for clergy, that can feel risky. It leaves you feeling, oh, so exposed. Now, I will fess up that I was not the first among us to take that step. Someone else had the courage to risk the deeper conversation first and to open a grace-filled invitation for the rest of us to follow suit. And you know what? Somewhere along the way, somewhere in those conversations about things of faith and struggle, of hopes and fears, of confusion and wonder, Jesus showed up. According to Luke, Two disciples were on a journey, too, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They'd heard the report of the women who had seen the empty tomb, but they considered it an idle tale, not to be believed. So to walk seven miles isn't forever, but it's long enough to get a good substantive conversation going. And apparently they had no shortage of things to talk about for they had shared that same grief-filled experience around Jesus' death. They'd hoped he would be the one to redeem their people. But they hadn't seen him. It was a long trip 
between Jerusalem and Emmaus, writes Caroline Lewis, because the distance between we had hoped and the Lord is risen indeed seems like forever. The longest trip ever. Now, I cannot imagine how difficult it would have been for either Cleopas or his unnamed travel companion to have walked that road alone. Their disappointment was profound. Their hope had withered. Their sadness cast a dark shadow. And so as they made that journey to Emmaus, they talked and they discussed, and they talked, and they discussed some more as they tried to make sense of what had happened. What did it mean for them? What would it mean for them in the future? And then somewhere in their conversation about their hopes and fears and faith and confusion, the risen Christ showed up. They didn't recognize him on the road. They didn't recognize him till way later when he broke bread with them. Nevertheless, he showed up and he stayed with them to walk and talk with them, to interpret the scriptures to them, to engage their broken hearts and talk about what really matters. And Caroline Lewis says he didn't just join them on the way. He got them to articulate what they experienced. What are these things that have taken place, Jesus asked. And using words from Psalm 116, Lewis says, the road to Emmaus shows us that when the snares of death encompass us, when the pangs of Sheol lay hold on us, when we suffer distress and anguish, the Lord will indeed save our lives by walking the road with us, yes, but also by asking us, what things? Which means that then the road might actually get us somewhere. And that somewhere eventually is the place where we recognize and start to live out the life-changing presence of the resurrected Christ. Henry Nouwen wrote that it's one of the characteristics of our contemporary society that encounters with people as good as they may be often don't become deep relationships. And thus our life is filled with good advice, helpful ideas, wonderful perspectives, but they're simply added to the many other ideas and perspectives and so leave us uncommitted. And he goes on to say that in a society with such an informational overload, even the most significant encounters can be reduced to something interesting among many other interesting things. Now, I noted that the copyright on that quote was 1994, 23 years ago. How much more true might that ring today? Among the many things that are happening today, one of them is the reception into membership of this amazing commissioning class. These eight young people 
have completed one leg of their faith journey. They have walked the road together, talking and sharing and questioning, talking and sharing and questioning with their faith partners. And I have a strong suspicion that somewhere along the way, not only Jane showed up, but Jesus showed up as well. It's not the end of your faith journey. It's only the beginning. There are miles and miles and many more legs to go. In fact, if it makes any difference, there's not a single person in this sanctuary, young or old, who is done with theirs. Did you notice that of the two disciples on the road, only one is named? Only Cleopas is named. The other isn't, which is a curious detail. Mark Douglas posits that leaving that second disciple unnamed could be Luke's subtle rhetorical way of inviting us into the plot and thereby catching us up in the power of the story. Had both disciples been named, we readers would be observers more than potential participants in the story. That's us. We are all on that road to Emmaus. We are all the disciples that Cynthia Jarvis says are called to travel on the journey from knowledge to encounter, from information to transformation, from fear to trust, from doubt to joy, from disbelief to power, from grief to witness. The road is designed to be walked with companions, with fellow travelers. So who will be yours? Who will you invite along? And what will you talk about? Now I can tell you right now that I am looking at a sanctuary full of great travel companions. Take a moment, all of you, look around. Yes, look around. Catch the eye of your neighbor, okay? These are your travel companions right here. Every Sunday morning in worship and in ministry in so many ways throughout the week. Walk the road with one another actively and regularly. Along with Jane, let's get out our faith Fitbits and let's start counting those steps as we begin the next leg of that trip together. And invite travel companions that you can talk with about things that matter, your own hopes and fears, and God's hope for you. Maybe you'll invite someone older than you, Someone who's been around the block a few more times. Someone who has the wisdom of lived experience to share with you. Or maybe you'll invite someone younger than you. Someone with fresh questions and new perspectives to share with you. Maybe you'll invite someone who's very, very different from you. And let them show you what you've been unable to see. 
Maybe there's a group of travelers you'd like to join up with, travelers who are making meals along the way or studying the scriptures together or helping others as they go along, working for God's vision of justice and peace. Find them and cultivate your conversations along the way. In my office, I have a set of faith talk cards to use with children. And among these cards, there are some great discussion questions. So here are some of my favorites. They're fodder for conversation. My favorite is, if Jesus were visiting your house, what game would you play with him? How do you think God felt when Jesus was born? Pretend you're God and you just finished creating the world. What's the favorite thing you made? What do you wish God hadn't made? What does it mean when someone says, I forgive you? What does it mean to love someone? Talk about your questions. Talk about how you see God. Talk about what you'd like to ask God if you could get a direct answer back. Talk about your struggles. Talk about what you've learned and about what you don't understand. Talk about a time you felt close to God and about a time God felt far away. Talk about what you thank God for and about where you've been disappointed. And even talk about what breaks your heart. And I believe with all my heart that when you do, when we do, Jesus will show up whether or not we recognize him. To be human is to be broken, David Lose reiterates. And it is to his heartbroken disciples that the risen Christ comes, walking along with us on the road, astonished that we don't see as we ought, teaching us the scriptures that we may understand, sharing his presence through bread and wine, and granting burning hearts that prompt us back into the world. So I ask again, who will be your travel companions on your road of faith? Who will you invite along? What will you talk about? And what might it be like when you realize who has just shown up. Amen.